You're listening to episode 28 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello and welcome to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter. I hope you are well. Today's interview is with a beautiful horsewoman. Her name is Kate Nelligan, and I'm actually going to just read to you her about section on her Facebook page because I thought the writing was absolutely beautiful, gives you an idea of exactly you know what she teaches and who she is, and then we're just going to go right into the interview. So October 29th, 2018, Kate wrote this on her her Facebook about page. What if the most powerful and important teacher in your life this year was a horse? Life transforming changes come from increased self-awareness, playful experimental learning, and creative intention setting and implementation. All of this is possible when you are coached by a horse and equine-assisted facilitator in a synergetic approach. Horses serve as mirrors and teach us lessons about teamwork, mindfulness, trust, overcoming fear, boundaries, leadership, communication, authenticity, empowerment, and many more. I absolutely love my conversations with individuals who are trained in equine facilitated learning because their perspective is so unique and it's so horse driven and healing driven that their messages work beautifully to communicate exactly what I'm looking to teach here, which is a holistic approach to horsemanship where we can really use the things that our horses can teach us to make us better people and the things we need to make us better people to really become better horsemen and women. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I encourage you to follow Kate on social media. Her business page on Facebook is Kate Nelligan Equine Coach. Her group on Facebook is called Equine Rockstars and her Instagram handle is also Kate Nelligan Equine Coach. As always, if you enjoy the interview, make sure you let me know, share with me exactly how you feel, what did you take away from this interview today, and if it wasn't this interview, remember that I'm looking for your feedback right now. So if there's a particular interview that really spoke to you, or if there's an episode that I did individually that helped you get through a particular time, or really helped you with your mindset in some sort of way, I would love to hear from you, because we are working on the last few episodes right now 
now of the Take the Reins season one. So going into season two, you will help make this continue forward and make it even better than it was for this season. So I appreciate all of your feedback. I've received so much amazing feedback so far and I love reading all of it. So here we go into the interview with Kate Nelligan. Hello, Kate. How are you? Thank you so much for being on the show today. Please tell me and the audience where are you speaking to us from and what involvement in the horse world do you currently have right now? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I am speaking to you from outside of Boulder, Colorado. And for the horse world, I've been in it since I was 10. So it's been about 30 years. And I do equine partnered life and career coaching, uh, which essentially means that I pair humans and horses together for personal and professional growth. Lovely. Okay. Fantastic. And can you tell us just a little bit about what you offer. So I know that you have katenelligan.com. What exactly will that lead people to? And why might someone go to that site? Sure. So I've been life and career coaching for about 10 years, over 10 years, and I got my master's in spiritual psychology, which is is super cool. Yeah, thanks. It's a fascinating program where we essentially learned eight different counseling strategies, 26 communication skills, and really got trained deeply in how to work with ourselves, um, our own emotional triggers, and uh, our past, and then really starting to focus on uh, what kind of futures we're looking to create and how to work with others. So I've been doing life coach workshops, mostly with women um, for a long time. And then with the horses, they came in uh, as coaching partners about five years ago. And so for me, you know, I've really been focusing on speaking and writing, uh, healing and coaching. And I primarily work with women who are in some form of life transition, whether it's a divorce or looking at a career change, um, grief and loss, uh, and then also corporate companies to do team building and leadership training as well. So there's lots of kind of resources um, on my website and, um, you know, meditations and articles and uh, really my whole mission is to empower people to Um, really dive deeper into why they're here and who they are and to live a life that rocks. So Awesome. Well, that sounds good. So you mentioned equine partnered coaching. Now that's the first time that I've heard someone use that keyed term. Oftentimes we hear things like equine facilitated learning or equine facilitated therapy. Can you just explain a little bit what's the difference between those Uh, terms and equine partnered coaching? Yeah, the nomenclature is fascinating. There's so much in the space that is sort of based on who the facilitators or major trainers are, the folks who initiated certain learning. So there's the facilitated world, the assisted world, and all of them kind of link back to that certification that goes with that For me, I really thought about, you know, assisted didn't feel right. The horses are not my assistants. Facilitated is giving them like a huge amount of pressure and responsibility. And it really, for me, is about partnership. It's that, um, you know, 50-50, sometimes 49, 51% Mm -hmm. of kind of 
who's leading and who's taking responsibility in that moment. And that truly there's a, a relationship there that uh, is important for people to see between, you know, myself, the horses, and then certainly the client as well. And so I just loved the word partner and I really think of the horses that way. And once my mare said to me that I needed to think of myself as her equal, mm -hmm. her being either my baby or my right. child or, you know, um, she really wanted me to get clear that, you know, species is, speciesism doesn't have to exist the way that we've thought of it, right? That right. we can all be equals. Okay. So that being said now, I know that we've had this conversation, but just to be clear with the people that are listening right now, are you certified in it? And what is your opinion around the certification of these equine assisted programs? Yeah, so I did get a certification in equine experiential education from E3A. And I mostly did that because intuitively I felt led there and I felt like there was something I was supposed to do. And more so than learning the exercises or their model, I really needed to meet the women that were in that program. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it really had a lot for me that uh, was much bigger than just learning their model. And I'm someone that, you know, since I've been in the space for a while, I've really studied with so many different practitioners, both on the horsemanship side and the training and the groundwork, uh, even the riding side, and then also the coaching side, the equine therapists or equine coaches. And so I've really taken bits and pieces from every single workshop in addition to really strongly working with my own intuition and then my training and background as a coach and, and with my master's and kind of put it all together. So for me, I think the certification is great if you feel a deep kind of sense of um, unknowing about which way you want to go. And if you are lacking confidence in your ability to facilitate uh, as a coach mm -hmm. or your ability to work with horses. But for me, I had a lot of confidence with horses and I had a lot of confidence as a coach. So I didn't, you know, I coached for years without a certification, but I did have a couple good mentors. And so I'm a huge fan of mentorship, having mentors, and then also of studying and learning as much as you can, but really finding your own voice and your own path with it. And for me, you know, again, my marijuana said to me, come to me, stop listening to all the humans. So I've really gone back to the horses and asked them to show me the way that I need to be doing this work. And that is what's worked best, quite frankly. Um, so I, I think there's a place for certification. And I think it's really just if you feel very drawn or pulled, but to never choose a certification based out of lack, like that right. you have to have it or you're not good enough or you're not ready. I think that's really important for people to understand because, you know, when it comes to whether it be our careers or what we're choosing to offer the world as a service, how we serve people that we know that we can help, um, or even just in the building of our own horsemanship, but the understanding that self-education is absolutely groundbreaking. So there's so much information. And when, it, when I think of the program that my husband and I have created with our horses, it's not that we have established this program based on one particular person's 
uh, take on horsemanship. It really is that you have this this form of self-education where you learn from all of these different people, all of these different professionals and horsemen, and you take what works best for you, what works best for your clients, and then you create a program around that. So I really enjoy you know talking to you about that because it's definitely... Uh, very present in my own life, not only in my horsemanship, but also in the in the uh, creation of my own personal coaching program so that we understand that we don't, yes, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to come up with everything on our own, but we also can maintain an ability to be our own boss and have faith in our own education, in our own uh, specialties and our own talents in order to create something that's super, super special and definitely something that's needed uh, and unique, if that makes any sense. It does. And I love your perspective on it as well. And it was making me realize too, Nikki, that it's similar to our learning in the personal growth world, right? In mm-hmm. the personal world, that we read all these books and we see all these speakers and you know, we're not just going to do like just Brene Brown, right? right. That's yeah. a piece of maybe your personal growth work, but mm-hmm. there's so many great teachings and it's the integration of all of it and really taking what works for you, releasing what doesn't, letting it go and not feeling like it's black or white because mm-hmm. it's really not. And, and that's the thing that I think bugs me the most in the horse world is when someone says it's my way or it's this way. And I'm like, absolutely not. Every mm-hmm. horse individual and every human is an individual and so we have to learn um, tools and techniques so that we can really meet people and horses where they're at and pull something out of our bag of tricks of of tools that works when we need it yeah absolutely so when I think of my coaching and what we've discussed about your coaching, both in the interview and then on a previous call, I know that my coaching kind of goes around the things that I feel are essential for everyone to know about themselves and change within their own mindset and change about themselves in order to then allow them to have more success with their horses and every other relationship really that that they're communicating in in life. But how do you think that our coaching intersects there? Yeah, well, what I love when you call yourself an equestrian mindset coach, that there's so much power in our thoughts mm-hmm. and how we set things up for success or failure based on our thoughts. I notice my own thoughts sometimes when I go into like, it's working or it's not working. And, mm-hmm. you know, results that come from that, um, or the fear and, you know, being in that space. And so I think that the intersection really happens because we're both working with people on their mental, you know, and, um, hopefully also emotional. I know for me, emotional space Mm -hmm. and that really impacts, you know, my work is really primarily driven for humans to learn from horses so that they become sort of better humans. Right. Know that your work is in many ways so that um, humans can take better versions of themselves back to their horses and have right. great relationships with their horses. But what's been neat in my work that I never expected is I've had other equine coaches mostly, um, although I've had you know folks in the hunter jumper and dressage world as well come to me and say, "You seem to understand this horse human connection, right?" And I've been I'm blessed in the fact that I you know, feel like I can actually hear the horses from an animal communication perspective as well. And so I have 
been called in really to help um, reconnect, um, kind of repair the bridge between the horse and the human, and especially the equine coach and their horse, to so that they can actually start this business, so they can start to work uh, with their horses and understand what does their horse want to do, what kind of contribution does that being want to make, what kind of clients, um, and how they can work together as a team in partnership. So it's been really neat. So I think that you know both of us are really in many ways helping to form that bridge and make mm-hmm. that stronger. Yours may be more so for the actual physical piece of riding and connecting and all of that. And mine a little bit, um, you know, more so on getting equine coaches to be better partners to their horses. Mm -hmm. Um, Then also I find people who don't have any experience with horses come to me quite frequently and they have a whole new relationship and idea and understanding of horses too, which is really exciting to me. That's really interesting. I always find it uh, so fascinating when people who are not involved with horses go and learn and heal through the use of horses. And then I kind of reflect on the fact that there's so many people who have horses, they own horses, they interact with them every day, and they're not utilizing them in a way that really allows them to become a better person because sometimes the very thing that they know they love about their animal is there's so much fear and shame and unknown wrapped up in the whole relationship that it stops them from being able to get the value out of the relationship. Yes. Yes. And it's so true. I mean, it's been funny to me when I'll walk onto a ranch and you know, one of the trainers goes, Kate, Kate, you need to, you need to come talk to this horse. And I say, okay, what? And immediately I'm put in this situation where, uh, there's, you know, the human is scared of their horse or they're having challenges. And I mean, they may even be at that point of thinking of releasing that horse or giving up on that horse, or they've stopped riding. And, you know, my whole thing is to start to get them reconnected and, Mm -hmm hear the horses it's it's like mediation it's like i'm hearing what the horse wants and then i'm giving them a prescription like you know can you spend five to ten minutes hanging out reading journaling meditating just being with your horse for the next week before you ask the horse to do anything right and um you know many times people uh, immediately start crying because they feel like i really get them and i really get and I'm able to rekindle that relationship. Uh, one of my friends jokes, and she says, I do, <laughs> I do relationship coaching for, for horses and humans in their, in their marriages. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Similar, right. To that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's a neat thing. And, and people need to start to understand that um, the horse is really there to help them mm-hmm. and they need to to listen first and foremost they need to start to really listen to their horse and understand why they're doing what they're doing um where the misunderstandings are and just start to get curious right and not that you have to know everything but that there's a curiosity that can help them start to explore and discover and It's funny too, because as you're speaking, I'm kind of reminded of this line. I don't remember what book I was listening to when it came up, but I know as soon as I heard it, I wrote it down. And it is the thing that changes 
how I do things now. So the, the author said, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I think that really does help us understand that when we change our behavior with our horses, when we change our energy with our horses, our intentions with them, that it really does have a ripple effect into our whole life and vice versa. When we change you know, how we think and feel and process all of those emotions and thoughts and then translate it into the rest of our life, it is a, it's a huge ripple effect into our horsemanship. So it's very, um, it's a whole cycle. Yeah. And that how you do one thing is how you do anything or how you do everything is truly the premise for me. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's a hundred percent the premise of equine coaching Mm -hmm. because that people ask, well, how does it work? Or is it mirrors or metaphors? And, And yes, that's all there, but it really is, you know, how you go to say hello to a horse is how you usually go to say hello to life or to another human. And if you're in that place of feeling like um, less than and you don't get a hello, what's that story that surfaces? So oh, even absolutely. hello, if you don't get it from a horse, you're in com- you, the stories show up, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the horse doesn't like me or, um, or even on the opposite side, oh, that horse is a jerk. And it's like, mm-hmm. really? Um, and then I often find that what works best is to just state out loud how you're feeling to your horse. Like if you, they know already, but if you were able to just say, listen, I'm not feeling great today and, um, let's go slow. Let's chill. Let's just have fun. You're going to find that that horse is much more willing to engage with you on that level. Um, or if you're starting to feel fear to be able to just be like, I feel fear right now to just mm-hmm to just say it out loud, to embrace it, to not try to resist it or push it away because horses need us to be congruent. And Absolutely. Yes. Able to say it or able to own it. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's more frightening for a horse to look at you while you're smiling and feeling fear than it is for you to be honest and upfront and show on the outside and the inside that you're fearful in that moment. They're far less apt to then like feed into that fear then you know if if they're feeling like they're they can't trust that what you are saying and intending are together or you know what i mean yeah aligned yeah. exactly yeah, aligned that's the word i'm looking for thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all good i think that's actually one of my favorite stories when i worked with a corporate group there was a woman who was really afraid because she had had past trauma um with a horse and hadn't been around them in a while. And she was not sure if she wanted to do the exercise. And I said, you you do not have to do this exercise if you don't want to. Um, But after one or two people went, she goes, I got to do it. I got to do it right now. I need to face this. I said, let's go. I said, I'm right here with you because I wanted her to have a support system and knew she could. So I just asked her at one point, the exercise was to, without any tack, or equipment to have a horse move um, into an area on the arena where there were like two Cavaletti poles set up on the ground. So it's, we call it like leadership in a box, but essentially have a horse move into that area through mostly intention and, you know, um, body language. And what was interesting is she just started to, I said, why don't you just tell this horse that you're afraid? So she started to own that out loud and speak it out loud. And of everyone that day, there must've been like 30 people through the process of the day. She was the only one to get the horse into that area, into the box and actually get the exercise because she was so clear about how she was feeling. Mm -hmm. And it 
the lead mare and the horse totally was like responded to her, listened to her and connected to her because mm-hmm. of authenticity. And what was really neat is, you know, often we're afraid to show our vulnerability thinking it's our weakness, but she sat down and her whole group uh, from her company was so enamored with her. They were like, we love you. Thank you for showing us that side of you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Cause she was emotional. Um, but she realized in that moment that, you know, superpower and vulnerability, superpower in owning her truth and her emotions. And that also that, um, you know, the congruency was what worked, that Mm -hmm. authenticity was what worked and that it actually created a a stronger bond within the team. Right. Mm -hmm. And then face that fear there, she could do that anywhere else in the world. Right. And that's why this works so much is because it's not about, as you know, just what happens in the arena. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're, we're taught really, and especially, you know, if we're going into some sort of corporate life or the business world. And I remember, you know, when I first started teaching and it was almost like, don't show them your fear, right? Like don't show those kids that this is your first week because they can't know. So I, I know I spent my first five years of teaching uh, essentially lying about the amount of years that I had been teaching to <laughs> myself, I'm sure, um, but definitely to the students that I had and some parents who I found really intimidating. And I would say that I was in my fifth year of teaching and I'd only be in my like second or third. And solely for the fact that I was able to change their perspective based on the experience. But it's very interesting because it was when I started to get more vulnerable with my students that my ability to create a rapport in a classroom was essentially um, my my greatest gift. Mm. So my ability to really let them know my greatest weaknesses as a teacher. So I can just imagine had I been confident enough to just own the fact that I was in my first year when I was in my first year, um, how much more powerful my teaching could have been within those first few years. Wow. Yeah. I love that. It's so fascinating because I think that's where we're headed as the mm-hmm. system is for us to really be willing. And that's why I'm grateful for, for someone like Brene Brown, who comes across as a very analytical head-based mm-hmm. reason, who's very much talking about the power of being in the heart and mm-hmm and shame hangovers and that kind of thing because Mm -hmm. what's so neat about where we're headed in society is that truth is really going it's gold people Mm -hmm. need it we know now so much faster whether some we feel like someone is being real with us or not Mm -hmm. um and so yeah and at the same time it you know it can be scary to own certain things i mean for Mm -hmm. me you know, owning my spiritual relationship with horses and owning just spirituality has been challenging for me at times because Mm -hmm. I was an atheist for a very long time. And I, um, you know, I'm like, can corporate America handle it if I'm having a spiritual conversation with them? Mm -hmm. Right. We have to head in that direction because we're not robots. Right. Right. And we have many different facets of ourselves. And I'm not someone that feels like you have to believe what I believe, you know, and that's the most important thing I think is that we're able to just have acceptance, Mm -hmm. Um, but we can't 
I don't know, the wearing of the masks. I think that's one of the best things the horses are showing us is that those have to come down, you know? And I really, I feel like the wearing of the mask, sorry, don't mean to cut you off, but the wearing of the mask really shows up in the stories that you were talking about. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to create, if we're trying to show a different side of us than true to us, we're trying to cover up our our weaknesses or our perceived weaknesses, our vulnerabilities, then oftentimes if we don't create that story, then shame comes in, right? So we have to create the story that that horse is an arsehole or that that horse just is like that or you know they're trying to to ruin my day or just just stories such as that that really leave us from taking any sort of accountability for our own um responsibility right in yes, any of exactly. the interaction and then you know if we're responsible what shame goes along with the responsibility behind what's happening um you know whether that be that you put pressure on too quick whether that be that you are not authentic in what you're feeling versus what you're presenting to the horse. Exactly. And, I th- you know, what I find is that a lot of people love to blame the horse if they're mm-hmm. not this enough to realize that they're, the horse is in many ways really showing us stuff about ourselves that we need to take an honest look at. So that whole like, oh, the horse is bitchy, drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or the, you know, that it's just a difficult horse or it's a problem horse. And like, also, what kind of projections do we place on these, these creatures that, you know, they really don't need that to be misunderstood. I mean, a lot of horses have told me that they're misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And I pull out a different version of a horse than a lot of people will see. And they'll go, what are you, how did, I didn't know that horse was there. And I'm like, yeah, because you have a story already about who that horse is and how do that in life too. I have a story about who that person is before Mm -hmm. we get to know them or without holding that their best potential is really possible. Absolutely. And then that story, how that story, how it makes us interact with that horse or human. And I talked about that in an episode, I think it was called, I don't remember. It was one of the first episodes that I did something about our words. And I talked about an experiment with rats and how when you have a label Uh, the label that was placed on the rats, which were all of the same intelligence level, the label really dictated the success of the rat in the challenge solely based on how the handler handled them due to the label they were told. So if if the rat was labeled as really bright or really smart, they handled them in a way that was very encouraging and they were super successful versus the handlers of the rats that were labeled as dumb and they handled them rougher and less patient. And Mm -hmm. so they weren't as successful. So it's the same thing with our horses, our kids, our, our spouses, our friends. Yes. I love that. I've seen similar experiments with water and how you label water and what Mm -hmm. what grows or doesn't. And with food too, it's like so fascinating how words do have so much power and we don't realize that and thoughts as well have so much power mm-hmm. the other side of the mask that i think is really interesting to explore is not just how we mask our perceived weaknesses but how we also mask our perceived strengths and brilliance Absolutely. because 
who am I to shine? Who am I to brag? Who am I to be this wonderful and this great? And that's been a huge piece of, of my kind of personal growth work and is still a work in progress. But I love that Marion Williamson quote about who am I to be so brilliant and wonderful? Mm -hmm. um, not our fear that we're that is we're most afraid of that, you know, what we're really, or it's not our darkness that we're most afraid of, it's our light. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's the other side of the mask that I think is so interesting, which is that how are we telling ourselves stories that we're not enough, right? Or that we can't do something or that, um, you know, we've taken on other people's beliefs of ourselves mm -hmm. uh, versus really getting into what I call deep truth about our infinite possibilities, right? That we're divine mm -hmm. having a human experience. And so for me, it's that I look at the horses the same way, right? That in many ways, horses just need someone that can see their potential and pull it out. Mm -hmm. um, but what I love working, especially with women is there is a real confidence gap, right? There's a book about that. And so for women to really work with a horse and get partnership and be able to step up into leading a 1200 pound prey animal, the amount of power they feel um, when they can partner, not power over, right? Mm -hmm. So like making a horse submit, which I actually see a decent amount of in the equine coaching world that I don't like. Mm -hmm. A horse to really partner and join up is such an incredible thing for a woman to realize that she has so much within her that can create connection, that can create communication, that can create um you know, a really strong relationship that to me, that's a game changer. And it's why part of why I do what I do. I just think of the fact that when women start to realize that power that we possess without conforming to society's uh, ideals or norms that in order to be powerful, you have to be physically strong or intimidating or overpowering or like you said, really getting people to submit. And oftentimes our best leaders have nothing. They're not looking to get anyone to submit. They're the same as everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, they're just very good at showing other people what they're good at. Mm. And something that, what was I reading recently? Oh, I believe that this was actually the coaching. It was either Tony Robbins or Dean that I, I believe. And they were saying, you know, it's really important that when you're trying to build a strong mindset or you're trying to build your confidence, make sure that you're not only looking to work on your weaknesses. And actually, I'm pretty sure he was pretty strong uh, minded about the fact that he doesn't think you should really work on those weaknesses, those perceived weaknesses at all. And yes. that when you begin to really empower yourself by working on your strengths and then pay someone else to work on the things yes. that you're weak on, right? Yes. Then you just build that confidence and that unstoppable mindset because it's all about the growth. And if you spend all your time only working on your weaknesses, all you're going to do is sit, is sit there and be like, oh, this sucks. Oh, I suck. Like, I can't do this. Um, versus, man, look at me, right? Yes, it's so true. And that's why I love coaching programs that incorporate stuff like strengths finders and, you know, really start to look at solution-based outcomes. Some of the coaches I love and follow, their number one question is what's working, right? 
So, cause so often we get into a story of like, this isn't working. And then it creates more of that energy rather than really starting to focus on what is working and what are the strengths and, and really getting to see, you know, with a horse, what are their strengths too? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just a different lens and mm-hmm. it's not a denial of the weaknesses. It's just that when we're really feeling like we are strong in something, our confidence does grow. Mm-hmm. So I love that the horses are such strong beings. So they're always, ha- we're always having conversations about strength and power because they naturally mm-hmm. create it. But what I also love about the horses besides that kind of size and strength and the power is they use all of that for good, right? Mm-hmm. So gentle. And there's so many of them, at least the ones that I'm usually around are super sweet and kind and loving and that people need to see that power can be used for good because so yeah. often we've seen the opposite. And the horses are emotional beings. So it's no different than, you know, you or I, that if we're continually only focused on the things that we're not very good at, and that's the only thing that, you know, you need to work on this, you need to work on this. And then really not ever praised for the, for the great stuff, then they really start to shut down the same way a child would shut down and their try tends to just go out the window. Whereas if you can shift that perspective and start to really see what they're, what are they excelling at? And it might just be that, that, you know, they say that they'll try for you by showing a step. Um, or they're, maybe their ears go up and they're a little more positive, whatever that might be. But if you can start to just shift that, re- that perspective to a reward versus a punishment, then it, it's really confidence building both in horses and people. Yes, I love that. Yeah, that's why I've in the last year or so looked more into the positive reinforcement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is it does it takes longer, but I love it because there is um, and it can be frustrating. But you know, I've watched some of the trainers be like, oh, I really have to wait for it. I have to wait for the moment to acknowledge. But I think of corporate America, and if they had like more of that, because one of the things that employees most want is to know that they're cared about. The, the yeah. people love them. And that is not an extra lunch a week (laughs) or, you know, some extra Mm -hmm. perks. It's really that they know that their boss cares about them and um, appreciates their good and hard work. There's so much research on productivity going up, the more you acknowledge it. And so a lot of, you know, my workshops with corporate, even before the horses was about, you know, how do we, my master's program has a, um, a a communication skill called prizing, but it's how do we start to prize, you know, and not overprize so that it, you know, it becomes, you, you don't listen to it, but really in these kind of critical, important moments, how do you say great job? Thank you. You're amazing. And not also just prizing for what someone does or what a horse does, but to prize for the, who they are as a mm-hmm. being. Right. And um, also to understand the love languages, which is, a you know, such a great book. But some horses love words of affirmation and some of them really want, you know, food, which is a gift type thing. And then others really want, you know, physical touch and scratches. And it's really knowing the uniqueness of kind of who you're working with, but making love and acknowledgement 
a focus and a priority, whether you're in a herd, whether you're in a coaching environment or whether you're in a corporate company, it's just, it's the way to generate better results ultimately. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you for one more thing before we wrap this up, because um, I believe you and I will probably chat again at some other point, but if you could just give us, and you can, it can be two or three, it's totally up to you, but just some coaching tips and you can, I know that you kind of come from a very strong background of the coaching inside and outside of the horse world. So I think this will be very beneficial to my listeners, but two or three coaching tips that either connect to the horses or not, it's completely up to you. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. It's funny because I I did come up with these tips that I have, you know, on YouTube of coaching tips really from stuff that works for me and stuff that I saw from my master's program. But now what I love doing is finding a way to relate them and layer them with the horse wisdom as well. So I will do my best. Okay, that's Uh, awesome. So the first one is really uh, creating a joy list. And this is something that so many of us are you know, stressed. Uh, There's a lot going on in the world. And to be able to know what lights you up, what makes you feel good, what you enjoy. And a lot of people, I think, have stories that they can't afford, you know, something big. And it's not about that. It's little things. So my joy list is like over 170 items. It's taken me time to create it. um, But really writing down every little thing that kind of makes you feel joy and makes you happy. And what I love is that horses choose what feels good, right? They don't think, should I do this? They think, does this feel good, right? And so for them, we know like release of pressure feels good, but guess what? Same with us. So how do do we release pressure? Well, by finding things that make us feel good, that make us um, joyful. So creating a joy list, I have a video on that. Um, That's one of my favorite tips. That's awesome. I really like that. Um, And then another one is really from the teaching of the horse in many ways, but it's having a present moment anchor. And what that really means is for most of us, it's our breath. (sighs) So even just taking a moment, I know I get like amped up doing podcasts, which I love. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Taking a moment, having your first conscious breath maybe of the day. And my favorite is actually the heart math breathing, which is picturing your heart having lips and breathing in and out of your heart. Mm -hmm. So when I have people work with horses, I almost always have people touch their hand to the horse's heart and breathe with them Mm -hmm. or go up to their nostril and do nostril to nostril breathing. Mm -hmm. And horses are breath work and meditation masters. And we can learn how to be in the present moment by being with them. And that is huge. So for me, it's like having that anchor, whether it's every time I touch a doorknob or anytime I start to feel stress or anxiety or just even a huge boost of adrenaline and I'm starting to spin, coming back to taking a breath. And again, if you can breathe in and out of the heart as well. And I think that's really interesting too. So Um, you know, I've, I've done the ad heart facilitator program as well. And I think it's important for people to realize that there is such a thing as breath work. There's, 
science behind it. There's a reason why people say to us, oh, just take a deep breath. <laughs> um, there's maybe a little more to it sometimes than just taking a deep breath, but that when you intentionally breathe and you breathe into different emotions, feelings of appreciation and different areas of your heart, then it actually allows for you to be able to have better physiological control. Mm, yes. And it does so much to regulate the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that is what we need so much of right now is to be in parasympathetic mm -hmm. with foundation of calm and peace and love, which is really who we are. And all the mental chatter and the chaos is not something that we have to engage with. Um, mm -hmm. Especially if it makes us feel anxiety or stress, we have to have a way to reset and reset quickly. And it doesn't always mean I can go out, hang out with my horse for an hour. It's like, how can I bring my horse into my heart in this moment? And it's cool too, because I think of when people bring horses in for training, one of the first things they want their horse to learn how to do is relax right? So mm -hmm. will you please teach my horse the tools to be able to relax? We want to switch our horses from going and triggering that sympathetic nervous system to, you know, kind of owning the parasympath parasympathetic nervous system and making sure that they are able to regulate there. But so often I see people who are desperately looking for their horses to be taught that or looking for their horses to be that on the end of their own lead rope. And they have yet to be able to work through that on their mm -hmm. own. So do you personally know how to bring yourself back from a reaction, an emotional and chemical reaction, back into your own breath, into your own body and find relaxation yourself? And if you can't do that, then I, personally, I feel like you're asking an awful lot of an animal who's very connected to you to be able to do that without you. Exactly. Yes. And it does. It starts with us. And, and what's so great, if we can learn that from our horses, we can bring that into, you know, marriages, families, mm -hmm. that it can really start with you. And that it's not about changing anyone else or changing outside circumstances, but that we have full control and influence over our own inner states. Mm -hmm. And we have a, a statement from my master's program that outer reality is a reflection of inner reality. Mm -hmm which is so neat. If you think, yeah, okay, your horse is freaking out. Well, how are you freaking out? And how, right. how can you start, take a moment and pause and regroup? And the pause is a big one for a lot of this. Um, and yeah, I find too with horses that one of the biggest things they need to relax is connection. Yeah. Right? And so ultimately for some of them, yeah, it's getting them to move their feet and they start to connect. But for a lot of them, it's like knowing that you're fully 100% there with them mm -hmm. and, um, and have their best interests at heart and that you're going to take responsibility for your own emotional state mm -hmm. and can create immediate connection and relaxation from them. I love watching them release through yawns. Mm, me too. <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like that, that's something that that we all can learn. And we, you know, I say we all can learn. It's something that is essential for us to yes. learn on a daily basis outside of the barn. Before we ever head to an arena or to put a halter on a horse, it's that work that we're all capable of doing. It's a lot of hard work. Um, it's incredibly rewarding. But really when we're with our horses, they're the first place that we're going to see the results of the work and the hard work and the long 
you know, dedicated hours that we're putting in or days or years. Um, they're the first ones that are going to actually be able to show us what our results can do because they're so in tune. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. A lot of people are like, how can you sit with so many different horses or even horses you don't know? And it happens to me a lot. And it's just because my inner state with them is just pure bliss and trust. And, um, you know, like I, I do my best to not hold any fear of them. And so they know that. And there's an element then where they're like, okay, this predator mm -hmm. <laughs> totally in trust and, and relaxation. So I know I can be as well. And it's, it's just a beautiful relationship when we get there and you're right. Like there's just so much we can learn from them. Um, and, and when we really start to view them as our teacher, Mm -hmm. that it all changes rather than us thinking we need to teach them, right? Or that we need to tell them what to do. They are so much here for us. If we can start there first, mm -hmm. I actually think our whole relationship with them, whether it's on the ground or on their back is going to just get better. Yeah, I agree. So tell us what is the number three tip? Was it, did you have three? I feel like I do. Three. Okay. Yeah. So the other one is it's a little bit more of a concept. I think no that it but it's a lot of what we've talked about. It's the emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, and the willingness to be responsible. Mm -hmm. So the willingness to check in and get curious. If again, outer reality is starting to look a little bit stressed or challenging, what is it that we need to do for our own inner states? How can we take even better care of our emotions? And I'm a big fan of not avo avoiding emotion to just be able to sit with it mm -hmm. and horses want us to embrace our emotions from what i can tell they really want you know if we're sad to be with it and to just sit there you know and i'll <laughs> i'll never forget one of the things my mayor taught me which was i would come in and want to just connect with her because i was wanting connection and she knew that I was mostly in my head and being a little bit needy and trying to get something from outside of myself through her rather than finding the inner connection first. Mm. And so I would go and I would sit in the arena and she'd be nowhere near me, kind of ignoring me until I started to find a way to be with whether it was that own, my own neediness for connection, my own loneliness, and really start to breathe, have my hand on my heart and be with myself mm -hmm. and running forgiveness, which is a thing I teach in my coaching, but the forgiveness that I think that something outside of me will provide <laughs> what I most want rather than knowing I have all the inner resources available to myself, um, my own love and that I am love. And so when I started to really go within and take responsibility and, and run that, and that's something that we can do at any time, especially if there's a breakdown between you and your heart. That's something we do in coaching when people are working on themselves and they need to learn how to bring that back, you know, through a divorce process or through a grief and loss process. Mm -hmm. Practice that. And then what's so beautiful is the horse often, and it's exactly what my mare did, came over and, you know, when I opened my eyes, there she was standing right above me, just fully present and fully with me and just adding to that love. And then the connection was completely there. So I think that's another big thing is like, we don't need to be scared of the emotional stuff. It's just energy. Mm -hmm. you know, we sit with it and we allow ourselves to cry or to feel it, to write out anger, 
you know, it's, it's the same thing as taking a shower and getting Mm -hmm. the barn dirt off of us. Mm -hmm. So it's that willingness to feel our feelings, which sounds so cheesy, but it's really not, it's the responsibility and it does ultimately create the best connection. Oh, it's so true. And it's, it's really important for us to know how we best work through our emotions, not how we best get ourselves from feeling hysterical to feeling less hysterical, but to actually, like you said, take that responsibility and have that emotional awareness of what allows us to be able to go from that state, feel our way through it, and and be able to get to the other side with reason and rationale versus whether it be like seeking blame or or some other way that we might find ourselves some sort of relief. So, you know, for myself, I've had to really focus on when I start to feel triggered in different areas. My initial reaction is I want to call someone. I want to speak to someone that I know is on my side and I tell my story. So I start creating a story immediately. And then once I feel validated in that story, then I'm able to then like calm down because they've told me that, you know, I'm, I, I have some validity there. And so I have to be very careful that when I find myself triggered, that I need to be able to, like you said, rather than looking to something from the outside, to be able to go inward and really help myself through that um, and to be able to feel it. And then, you know, maybe I might tell somebody later on, but the emotional charge is going to be gone and the, the need to seek blame or to seek any sort of um, recognition seems to be gone. Mm, I love that. That's so beautifully stated. And that's true emotional mastery, the willingness to take dominion inside of our consciousness and be with what arises. And I, I love Matt Kahn's work because he's always talking about embracing it and going into it and just holding space for it because those parts do want to be heard. They want to be loved and they want to be recognized, but we can do that for ourselves and we don't have to share that energy with anyone else and affect their day. Mm-hmm because we have our own ability to do that for ourselves. And so, yeah, that, uh, that mastery, I think, is a big piece of, of being a coach, is helping people learn how to do that. Who was that that you just said? Matt Kahn? Matt Kahn. And yeah, his last name is K-A-H-N. And he's um, pretty much helping the lightworkers, those of us that are really here to help create a positive difference on the planet, to understand why they're going through some of what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And um, I think his book is called um, Love What Arises, okay. something along those lines, but it's very much the stop fighting the negative feelings. And most of us keep ourselves busy. Mm-hmm. I've that in the past, mm-hmm. um, that we don't feel all the uncomfortable stuff instead mm-hmm. of just sitting with it and being like, hmm, yeah, I feel a little anxious right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to let, like, see if it has any information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then letting you know, it, like, it's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. there's a lot going on I don't even know why I feel that way and like having a conversation with it being with it and then once we kind of give it attention it actually dissipates mm-hmm. and so you I used to call people all the time too I'm a reformed drama queen <laughs> <laughs> congratulations um, me too I used to be a drama teacher <laughs> <laughs> right and there's something in that where yeah as you I love how you said it was to really relieve yourself 
Mm-hmm. But we have the power to relieve ourselves of toxins the way we do, you know, the body knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. So we can do that with the mind and the emotional and the, and the heart. And we don't, and other people don't have to do that for us. Right. Yeah. So ultimately as coaches, we're teaching people empowerment skills. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you for those tips. I think that they're very helpful, very insightful. I think that the listeners are going to um, be able to reflect a lot on, you know, how they can start generating joy in their own life and really take responsible for their emotions and then a responsibility for their emotions and then how that translates not only into their horsemanship and, and their partnership with their horses, but also all of the relationships in their life, especially the one with themselves. So I greatly appreciate that. And I want to thank you for the amazing conversation. I absolutely adored it. And I think that, uh, that it's a really powerful conversation. Thank you. I do too. I just think what we're doing is really important in the world. So mm-hmm. I completely acknowledge you. And I think um, the horses love us for it too, because they need, they need people like us to, um, to just be the bridge, to be the voice and, and to be there to uh, create better communication and, and better connection. And the world's ready for it, which is also really exciting. Oh, absolutely it is. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. Well, thank you, Kate. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Nikki. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.